0: You are listening to the Business Society podcast, formerly known as Think Like a CFO. The Business Society is a podcast for entrepreneurs and business owners, where we talk all about what it means to be an entrepreneur and manage the money in your business and personal life. I'm your host, Melissa Houston, and I am a CPA with over 20 years of experience working with entrepreneurs just like you. And I am here to share my knowledge and love of all things business. Check out my blog at thebusinesssociety.co and make sure you check out my articles at forbes.com. Tanessa Shears is a health consultant and coach of the Becoming Limitless podcast. She helps entrepreneurs scale their businesses by optimizing their health, focus, and productivity with science and biohacking. Her passion is working closely with business owners to implement effective sleep, nutrition, workflow, and stress management strategies to help eliminate brain fog and help them get more done in eight hours than most people can get done in a week. She does this by optimizing the performance capacity of your body and brain so that you can produce more meaningful, impactful work output and and scale your business faster. Hi, Tanessa, welcome to the Business Society podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. So we finally connect. There's a bit of a story behind that. We've tried this a couple of times, third time's a term. So we're going to get right into the episode and give you all sorts of great information that Tanessa is going to share with us. So Tanessa, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself and the services that you offer? Yeah, well, I'm a health consultant, and I
1: work specifically with entrepreneurs. So what I do is I help them optimize their brain and their body with science and biohacking. And the reason for that is because brain fog plagues so many entrepreneurs, that kind of feeling foggy and not very focused and feeling kind of tired all the time or inconsistent with your energy. And that really comes down to how much inflammation is in our body. So what I do specifically is I work with entrepreneurs to help them develop kind of like their own personalized protocol where we look at their sleep and their food and their movement and their stress management, all of these things that are contributing to their brain not being at peak performance. And the really cool way that I love to do it is with biohacking and specifically using wearable technology to monitor if what we're doing is worth our time, because there's so many health habits we could do. We don't have enough time for all of them. So we cut right to the chase and figure out what's working.
0: I love that. Okay, first thing we're going to clear up is what the heck is biohacking. I've heard so much about it, but I don't have a clear understanding.
1: Yeah, isn't it a funny word? When I first heard it, I was like, "Well, that sounds illegal," and I'm pretty sure they have to like put microchips in you. It doesn't sound like a very friendly word. So I'm just gonna yeah. put. That there. But the way I love looking at biohacking is it's essentially optimizing two types of environments the environment outside of us meaning the the screens we're looking at the office we're in the type of light we're exposed to and the environment inside of us and that comes down to food and sleep and stress and movement and optimizing those two environments so that we can have you know better productivity and clearer thinking and better health and longevity and the way that i find that i love to do biohacking specifically is like i was saying taking each of those components and figuring out what works best for each of us because different lengths of sleep work best for different people, different styles of eating work best for different people. So it's essentially like, how can we personalize health so that we can have more longevity and energy? And that's what I call biohacking. So it's it's like health habits with a very structured intention and way of monitoring what's working.
0: Well, I am super excited to hear about this today because you have my full attention. (laughs) So So when a client comes to see you and says, you know, I haven't really been feeling all that great lately. How Mm -hmm. do you, like, what steps do you take to start working with somebody?
1: So I'll do an assessment of exactly what's going in all their different areas of their life. So I will look at, okay, what do you feel is going on with your sleep right now? Like, what do you rate it on a scale of one to 10? We really identify what it is, and it's usually, you know, I'm not waking up feeling refreshed, or, you know, I have trouble falling asleep because my brain won't turn off, or, you know, I feel just so tired all day long, or I'm not sleeping. We identify exactly what the problem is, and then we start to look at, okay, if we were like a 10 out of 10 for sleep, what would need to be different? Well, I'd need to be waking up feeling refreshed. I'd want to sleep all the way through the night without waking up. I'd want to have enough energy get through my day. So what I do is we go through each of those components. And the big ones that I like to touch on, like I mentioned, are sleep, nutrition, movement, and stress management, because those are kind of like your four corners. And what we do from there is like, okay, well, based on what you're saying, it's really clear to me that I think that most of the problem or the inflammation that is creating all this foggy thinking is likely coming from sleep, or nutrition. And then we'll dive into that and start putting in weekly small changes that layer watching the data and seeing if we're actually getting a better sleep with the changes we've made. If we actually have more energy with the changes we've made. And if we don't, we take it out and try something new. So it's not just stacking on endless health habits, because we don't have time for that. So it's, No, it's, we it's, don't. <laughs> no, it's creating something very personalized based on actual data from your body with what's working. It's a really cool practice. So how do you collect the data? Yeah, so there are two ways that I do it and I have a preferred way. Way number one is I always wear a Fitbit and I always have my clients, I get them depending on what we're wanting to work on, either a Fitbit or an Aura Ring. So a Fitbit, what most of us know, they're just those wearable trackers that you can wear on your wrist. They track very basic data such as you know steps per day, exercise, they track things like uh, your sleep and what different cycles you go through. So I always say that that's the bare minimum. But when I work with clients, I really like to in- invest in them and get them an aura ring specifically. And this is a type of ring that measures all variables. And I mean, everything from body temperature, to breathing rate, to how stressed out your body is. And we can look at things like if we add in something, how does your body respond with stress? looking at all of these things, including, you know, the cycles that our brain go through at night, it literally monitors almost all the data that it can based on, you know, sensors in the finger. Like it doesn't monitor like blood sugar and stuff like that. But we look at this data and watch for marked improvements based on what we've implemented.
0: Okay, so... Once you start the process, like how long does it take to start seeing results and feeling better? Like the average person coming in, how long would, would they expect to, to see results?
1: I think it depends on two things. I think it depends on where your starting position is. Like I had a client come into me about a couple months ago and she was sleeping four to five hours per night, eating one meal of ramen per day. She's a tech startup. She was really invested working 14, 16 hour days. She saw almost immediate improvements, right? Because anything improved from that is a difference. But I find on average, it will take, you know, between two to three months of just consistently implementing one thing at a time. And the reason I say two to three months is because I don't like to dump change on my clients, meaning like, okay, it's week one. Here's your whole life turned upside down. Yeah, to yeah. make time for that. So I like to layer it in a way where like we set the expectation that the result is that we are feeling much different in six months from now. And we start to notice the difference in two to three months because we, we take an educated guess, whether it's your sleep, That is, you know, creating the most stress on your body or the lack thereof, or if it's the food we're eating. And we take an educated guess which one might be the biggest problem when we start with that one. But sometimes it ends up being one of the other variables, and it's when we get to that one that we notice the biggest change. But I think coming back to your question about how long it takes, it also depends on how coachable we're willing to be right. Because mm-hmm. we've all worked with clients or have had people before where, you know, there's resistance to making certain changes and, you know, openness to trying new things and seeing what works and recognizing that just because we change something now doesn't mean it's forever. We're testing to see if this is what works for you. So I think it definitely comes down to, like we said, where your starting position is, our expectations of how fast it should go, because we all want immediate gratification, right? And yes. The willingness to be open to being coachable and trying new things, even if we're uncomfortable.
0: Okay, we were talking about like, you had mentioned inflammation. So can you walk me through that as well? Like what inflammation is, and how it impacts the body? So a
1: simple way to think of inflammation is something that we all know, we've all likely sprained an ankle or know someone that has, right? The joint itself will probably get red and swollen and you will probably get fluid accumulation in the area well that same thing can happen in our body in other areas so it can happen in our brain and that's when we get a lot of foggy thinking and and brain fog Or it can happen in our digestive tract. So if we're constantly eating foods that our body is intolerant to or that does not serve us, that same type of inflammation response can happen in our digestive tract. And what happens is our immune system is like, what is going on with this? Like if your digestive tract is damaged, for example, because of food we're eating... And maybe things that aren't supposed to be getting into your bloodstream are your body's like, this, what is this all doing here? We, this is a foreign thing. We need to, you know, assemble the troops and attack that. And it creates an immune response. So that inflammation travels around our body. It can go from, you know, your digestive tract to your brain, your brain to your digestive tract. And what we end up starting to notice is because there is that bidirectional communication between your digestive tract and your brain, they influence each other. If we're eating poorly, you'll notice it in your brain. If you're sleeping poorly, you'll notice it in your digestion. So that's kind of what we start looking at when it comes to that.
0: That's so interesting because I never really understood, like I knew what brain fog is. Like I definitely get it, like actually get it, (laughs) but I never understood what caused it. So that's really, really interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like thinking that your body is on fire on the inside.
0: <laughs> oh my god, that's so scary because you like for somebody like me who I know I've got a lot of inflammation, I've been told over the years and it's just been overwhelming to, to eliminate absolutely everything that I'm intolerant to and follow all the procedures that I'm supposed to be doing and you know all that stuff. You get used to feeling that type of inflammation and it almost feels like it's, you know, normal.
1: Yeah, that's ex- I talk to my clients about that all the time because it's so interesting as entrepreneurs, like we kind of survey the landscape and all you know, the other entrepreneurs we know, and everyone just kind of seems to be having brain fog and everyone kind of just seems to be tired. So we very much accept that as normal and don't ever question if that's normal for us or if we want it to be normal anymore, right? And it comes easy, especially with all we have on our plates to just be like, this is the least of my two problems right now. I've either got to get this client work done or get this out the door Or, you know, I can make a healthy meal. So I think it's learning about finding that balance and recognizing that when our brains are clear, it makes everything else easier. It doesn't take time. It gives you time.
0: But business owners are so guilty of putting themselves last. Mm -hmm. Yep. See that
1: time and time again.
0: And you must have a lot of resistance from your clients on that. So how do you talk them through those barriers?
1: Yeah. Well, one of the things comes down to the fact that as part of my practice that I've, I've adopted, I've learned early on that just giving entrepreneurs action strategies, it's what they want. They want the tell me the what, tell me how to do it, let's go, let's get started. But what I have learned is that the clients that always have the most success are the ones that are the most open to coaching on it. So that has become such a huge part of what I do because the idea of let's let say I had a client and he found out that tomatoes were a food for him that caused a lot of inflammation, but he was Italian And he's like, what do you mean? Everything I eat has pasta and tomato sauce. What am I going to eat? So really coaching his brain on the idea of, okay, well, what would that be like to be, you know, feeling clear and feeling focused? And what is it about the tomatoes that has obviously that emotional response and really working through what I call the drama And a lot of what I do is to bring up drama on purpose because that is what clients will struggle with after coaching is finished if it's not addressed. Because if you give someone all the actions, that's fantastic while they're motivated But as soon as the motivation starts to wear off and discipline needs to step up, that skill set needs to be there. They need to have gone through the drama and the mind work of maintaining something and being consistent when someone is not there watching their food journals.
0: Okay. So how do you work through that drama? Because immediately when I hear all this, I think deprivation. So obviously that would be considered drama. So how do you? I I can't even wrap my mind around how you would work through that.
1: Yeah, I love that, especially the deprivation comment because that I always love to share is an opinion, and it is a thought, right? It is what I like to call a thought error. It is because we think that we're going to be missing something by not eating something we love. But then I like to go into like, why are we eating it in the first place? And it usually comes down to the fact that it's associated with feeling good and it's creating a sense of calm or it's fulfilling something else or it's getting out of feeling something we don't wanna feel like, feeling terrible about something or stressed out or overwhelmed, right? Mm -hmm. And really getting through there and helping them understand that seeing something as deprivation is a thought and it is creating that feeling of deprived. And if your brain is not wanting to sit in deprived, it feels awful, the fastest way out of that is to eat. But what if we learned to tolerate negative emotions and not even tolerate, but embrace them? Because I very much believe in the philosophy that 50% of what we're supposed to be feeling is great. And the other half is not so great, but we have set this expectation for ourselves that everything should feel good all the time. And if it doesn't, something has gone wrong. So we develop an intolerance to anything negative, stress, overwhelm, deprivation, fatigue, any of that. And the way out of that is... Watching Netflix, online shopping, overeating, all of this stuff. And the hardest part about changing your habits fundamentally, even if you know that eating this way would be good for you long term and your energy and everything like that, the hardest thing about it is learning how to feel your feelings and not letting your brain freak out and try to escape with, you know, food or anything else like that.
0: That does sound hard.
1: (laughs) It's, 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 it's an exercise that when you learn that the worst thing about a bad feeling is just that it feels bad, you stop fearing it so much. You know what I mean? I feel like with my clients I work with, there's a lot of fear around missing out or, you know, feeling deprivation come up. If we're not working so hard to escape those, and we have recognized that it's literally just a sentence running through our head that is creating that feeling, we can learn how to start changing those sentences so that we don't create all of this, you know, angst around making changes because change is going to create discomfort. And if that is something we want, we need to learn how to be okay with
0: discomfort. That's so true. Yeah, that definitely resonates with me. So are there specific biohacks that can help eliminate this brain fog and inflammation?
1: Absolutely. One of my favorite areas to start with clients definitely comes with sleep. So we often think of sleep as like this unsexy thing that we have to do at the end of the day. And it's something that we sacrifice all the time. Like we'll get up, you know, we'll stay up really late or, you know, we'll work late into the night sometimes just because we can. And we just think that sleep is something that like, oh, it's just, we got to get to the next day. But there are so many things that happen to our entrepreneurial brains while we sleep that sleep is that foundation that we need to spend more time with. So one of the most fascinating things I find about sleep is at the at the beginning of the night. So when we first go to sleep, your brain spends its majority of time in what we call deep sleep. So think of things like consolidating memories, recovering from the day, getting refreshed for tomorrow, your body repairing from any movement or workouts we might have done. That's what happens at the early part of the night. But at the end of the night, that's when we do most of our dreaming. Now, this Dreaming is called REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep. The cool thing about this is I call this entrepreneurial goal. This is something I focus on so heavily for two reasons. Number one, during dreaming and REM sleep, it's one of the only times your body does not produce cortisol and stress, which we all need a break from that. So if we're missing out on dream sleep, our bodies don't get that break. And reason number two, it makes us better entrepreneurs. There are so many processes that happen while we are dreaming. So a really good example is dreaming allows us to be more creative during the day and solve bigger problems, which is fundamental to us as entrepreneurs. But the really cool thing is it allows us to perceive facial expressions and body gestures better, which if you're in any type of coaching or consulting practice, we need to be able to read those micro shifts in our clients, you know, behaviors so that we're tuned in and being able to coach to our best ability. So that's important. And the last thing is we develop our ability to manage our emotions while we sleep. So think about the last time that you woke up or you had a poor sleep and you felt irritable all day long, maybe a little snappy, short with someone, Mm. you know, our ability to manage our emotions will set the stage for how we show up in the world with our business. If we get a troll on Instagram or an unhappy client or an angry email, I want to be able to respond to that in integrity with my business and how I want to show up, not because I'm reacting out of emotions, because I had a poor sleep the night before. So sleep is so integral in, in that and just allowing our body to recover and reduce inflammation. And that will lead to higher performance thinking.
0: Nice. Okay. And then the next step.
1: So after we have got that under control, what I always like to do is talk about like biohacking our bedrooms. So there's a lot that goes into getting a good sleep. And if you could see my bedroom on any given day, it has so many nifty little biohacks sitting around. And there are things that some of us might already be doing. So a really good one is investing in a solid pair of blackout blinds. I have my clients do something called the hand test. So right before you go to bed or right before you wake up in the morning, hold your hand six inches out in front of your face. If you can see your hand, either because of ambient light to the window, it's creeping in under the door, you have a flashing light on some tech device on your nightstand, your brain will naturally wake up easier during the night and it'll affect melatonin production. And melatonin is that hormone that helps us get to sleep. One of the things that I like to share with my clients because there are a lot of people are like, no, you don't understand. I can sleep fine. I fall asleep, I wake up, and I always say, yeah, but it has to do with the quality of your sleep, which we can't measure unless you're wearing a Fitbit, an Oura ring or some other type of tracker. Like we don't have a printout that happens in the morning that was like excellent amount of deep sleep. You need a little more REM sleep. I don't know so much about that sleep. We don't have that, so we have to rely on this tech. So one of the things I ask my clients to do is, I'm like, great. How about I get a one week buy-in with you and you put cardboard up on your windows and just black them out at night and let's see if it works and if it does and you get better sleep quality, we will look into getting a vinyl roller blind or a real set of blackout curtains that are fully, you can't see any light through them. And every single time you can see specifically increases in REM sleep, that's dreaming. That's what makes us creative and good problem solvers and emotional management, like this stuff is so good. But in addition to getting really good blinds, another thing that I really like to do is make sure that my light bulb on my bedside table is red. And the reason for this is if you think pre-indoor electricity, when we were all living on either candlelight or, you know, before even that, the only way our brain could tell whether it was day or night was the day, the, the actual light entering our eyes. And as the evening progressed, the light goes orange and then it goes red and then it goes away. And your brain's like, it's probably time to sleep. We should get melatonin ramping up here. Let's go. But we don't have that. We, our brains perceive it as day all the time because we have indoor lighting and we're staring into our devices. So one of the best things we can do is be proactive in eliminating any light source in the hour before bed that will disrupt that hormone production. And there's three ways to do it. A good, better, best. Weight number one is good. It is putting The blue light filters on your devices. They all have them now and you can just literally take the blue light out. Option number two, invest in a pair of blue light blockers. And I'm not talking about the clear lensed ones. Those only block about 40%. I'm talking about the, the ones that make you look like you're on Mars and they have red lenses in them. Those block out light and really affect sleep quality. And the last thing of course is just as hard as it is as entrepreneurs is putting our devices down. For half an hour, an hour before bed and learning just to have that time where you're not always connected.
0: Nice. You know, and it it never occurred to me that I wouldn't be getting a high quality sleep because I leave my my curtains open all night long.
1: Well, I have clients that say to me like, oh, I like being woken up by the sun. Yeah. But But we don't get to control, especially in the summer right now. Like our sun is up at like 4.35 in the morning right now. And unless you intend to be up at that time or have disrupted sleep quality, it's not helping. So one of the ways that if you like being woken up by that natural light, there's actually something called a light alarm clock that will simulate sunrise, but you can set when it goes off. So say you want to wake up at seven you would simulate waking up at with natural light with this alarm clock and it would feel like you had your windows open, but wouldn't compromise the sleep that came before that.
0: Clever. Okay. Give me another one. Oh, <laughs> this cool. is so much okay.
1: fun. I know, right? Okay. So this one, something that you could do with yourself to biohack would be to watch what time your last meal is. When I work with entrepreneurs, one of their biggest complaints is I wake up feeling groggy all the time and so unrefreshed. And there can be several things that cause that, but one of the biggest ones was that their resting heart rate didn't drop early enough in the night. If your resting heart rate takes the whole night to drop, you will wake up feeling refreshed because once your heart rate has reached its lowest, that's when recovery starts happening. Now, if you think about eating right before bed, what ends up happening is your heart rate has to rise because you are now digesting. So when we eat an hour or two before bed, we spend the first part of our sleep actively digesting and keeping our heart rate up. The same goes with exercising within two to three hours before bed. We want to be in that kind of rest and digest and relax state as we're going into bed. So it gives our heart rate the opportunity to drop. So I always look at what time do we want to go to sleep at, then working backwards from that to, to plan our last meal. And it's not always going to be perfect, but it just gives you a kind of a routine to go off of.
0: I love that. Okay.
1: And then how important is movement? So movement is something that is important for the inflammation uh, reduction, but also for just general well-being and mood. So there's something interesting that happens as we exercise. There's something released in our brain called brain-derived neurotropic factor, BDNF. Don't need to remember it. Just fun to know. (laughs) Um, But essentially what that does is it allows your brain to be more plastic. And if you're familiar with that term, it means your brain's ability to develop new connections and learn and become smarter and make faster decisions. That is one of the brilliant things of exercise. I mean, exercise is really painted into a corner, I find, unfortunately, with weight loss. And I am not a fan of looking at it that way. I always look at it for what it can do for my brain because if our brain is inflamed and we are having trouble making poor decisions or we're having trouble making good decisions, it's going to make everything harder from showing up to the workout to eating good. So with exercise, there is that. And it also just really helps with mood and reducing inflammation in the body. So I always like to aim for 30 minutes of exercise because anything... I only get in three to four days a week. It's that sweet spot for me because it has that flip side of the coin where if we are exercising too often, too hard, it can actually drive the hormone cortisol, which is associated with stress in our body, even workouts that are too long can do that. And, you know, the whole analogy of more is better is does not apply with exercise. So I always find that sweet spot. And, you know, you can always take a guess and just gauge how your recovery is feeling. But that's, again, why I really like the tracking, because I can see if my body's actually recovering from workouts at the rate that I'm doing them. And if it's not, I know I need to back off.
0: I love that. So smart. I have learned so much talking with you today. Now, if there's one thing that you really want listeners to take away from this conversation, what would that be?
1: I would honestly say to value your sleep. And I know that sounds like something that's just like, well, common knowledge, but it's amazing how many people don't quite value it if they knew what they would feel like if they had optimized sleep. And just because Going to sleep and waking up and it feels like we're getting eight hours. One thing that I did not know for the longest time until I really started investigating this was that your brain spends about an hour to an hour, 15 minutes awake every night. This is what I find with most entrepreneurs when I start with them. And that's because you, it takes too long to fall asleep, tossing and turning during the night, getting up to go pee multiple times, waking up early in the morning with anxiety. So, if we think we're going to bed at 11 and waking up at 7 and that's good enough, well, if you were awake for an hour and a half, you really only got six and a half hours of sleep and you were fundamentally sleep deprived. And now you were going to compound that night after night. So beyond just valuing your sleep, one of the best investments we can make as entrepreneurs is actually taking time to invest a small amount in a some type of sleep tracker so that we can see what's going on. There's no way to tell unless you actually look inside your
0: brain and find out what's going on. I love that. What a great tip. This has been amazing. So I know that listeners are going to want to reach out and contact you. How do they find you? Yeah. So
1: I am on Instagram all the time. I'm doing stories and all the things on there. So I'm at Tanessa Shears on there, but I know some people are really interested in like wanting just to condense the best of the best biohacks. So I've kind of, I've, comprise my 12 favorite ones in what I call my entrepreneur's playbook. And it's the 12 biohacks that I do with my clients that get the most bang for your buck time and time again. There's some of the sleep ones, there's some food ones, and there's some really cool apps you can download that really help you get into workflow and also recovery at the end of the night. And they're all in there. It's called 12 ways to biohack your energy. And I have that on my website at tenessashears.com energy.
0: Perfect. And I am going to leave these links in the show notes. So anybody who's listening, you can easily grab those there as well. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. I have learned so much and I feel, I definitely feel motivated to make some changes. That's amazing. (laughs) I love that. Thanks for listening to the Business Society Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with someone you think would love it. Until next time, I'm Melissa Houston. And never forget, nobody will ever care about your money as much as you do. So never give your financial power away.